So we had an intention going into this one. And that intention was to watch... I think it was released in America as Samurai X Trust and Betrayal. That's what we were looking for. That's what we were looking for. I don't know where it is. And normally, you know, support the official release in the fucking Team 4 Star Voice. But the creator of Roni Kenshin got caught with CP, so I kind of... I don't feel any kind of way of saying I was trying to steal this movie. <laughs> we were we were trying to steal this anime product. I don't know, man. I own Gunpla. I don't feel particularly indebted to the anime industry. <laughs> I own lots of Gunpla. You could say that it is part of my retirement fund. You could say it is the cornerstone of his retirement fund. The other half of which is Dogecoin. It keeps going up, bruh. It got, out, it got back up to 40 cents today. I feel like I've gone insane. <laughs> I feel like I have gone insane and no one else has. And everyone else is looking at me like the weird person. Oh, I've totally gone insane. I, w- I, was, walking, uh, I was walking back home with Morgan today and going on this long-winded explanation of what day trading is and what that entails and basically i was looking at the squiggly line for dogecoin the entire way that we were walking being like okay so once the squiggly line gets up here i'm going to sell and pray to every single god that's ever existed that it goes down and does not keep going up and then once it goes down i'm going to buy again and once again pray to every single god that it does not keep going down. And I repeat this process. And also I do it for two or three dozen other stocks or cryptos or what have you. I think that the old bar between us mortals and the market was simply supposed to be comprehensibility. Not just of how to buy and sell these things, but when and why to sell or what would make them go up and down in the fucking dark magic day trading in the market and well the great thing about dogecoin is that there is no reason for any of it it's completely divorced from reality meaning i i think there are one or two things that take dogecoin that's the only thing that ties it to this world it's a little dumber and darker than that it is an entity fueled and maneuvered entirely by human boredom and because you understand the ebb and flow of a meme's interest, you can play the shell game with Dogecoin. Well, Doge the meme died almost a decade ago. The fact that Doge the coin is nearing 50 cents, that's something... We're about to become a crypto podcast, and I don't know I don't know if that's what I want to happen to us. I don't need any more of my feet in the hand of fucking Elon Musk. So yeah, I was trying to find the fucking Roni Kenshin movie. Didn't feel bad about stealing it. <laughs> because, again, CP. he got banned. He got banned pretty hard. What I ended up finding, and we realized that when we were, I want to say, a good six or ten minutes into it. Was very good. It was very good. It was not the movie at all we were supposed to be watching. Um, it was just Roni Kenshin the movie. Yeah, like, it was Marcus Roni Kenshin the movie here. I think it's called, like... Requiem for the Ishin Patriots, maybe? I think you may have pegged that one. Something about Ishin Patriots. Yeah, the point is, this movie was the most recent positive thing to happen in our orbit, and we also had a very special experience of this movie, and I've got... I really got a zero in to what made this possible. Mm Mm-hmm. Because we had the original dub of this film... (laughs) 
they may have redone it since then, simply out of human pride or it wasn't that bad. desire to let your fucking I've, I've, I've seen so much worse. Yeah, I, I've been sack whacked too. Doesn't mean getting punched in the stomach doesn't hurt. <laughs> It wasn't good, brother. It wasn't good. Well, I feel like if you get sack whapped and then you get punched in the stomach, you're still remembering the sack whap. All right. When I say it was a bad dub, I don't mean that it literally censored content in the four kids manner. No, it just wasn't the best delivered. Just wasn't the best delivered. It was... And that made it very amusing because Rudy Kenshin at its best is, you know, it's these high dramas of this historical backdrop and these finely tuned martial arts moves and you have people delivering climactic dialogue with this flat affectation <laughs> while screaming about a dragon <laughs> yeah and there was little enough of that in this which i was thankful for oh yeah, yeah. what he's specifically referring to by the way in not in joke ease is that Rony kenshin like a lot of shonen of its generation our generation Amidst its presentation, whether or not it fit, had a lot of calling of attacks. Which always felt a little weird for me, given its overall tone and topicality. I think if it's not a super robot show, then I do not see the reason for you to be doing that. It doesn't add a lot to a lot of things. I mean, I would be entertained as hell if in the middle of Psychopaths, Kogami would be shouting, like, D Detective Blast or something. <laughs> but that's because something is deeply wrong with me. Maybe in the middle of Anohana, someone could just shout Trauma Reconciliation Beam. Everyone waits for it to come out. Nothing comes out. They go, Oh, no! no! <laughs> but yeah, Roni Kenshin is very typified by that, at least in the manga and anime. But for some reason, until... Like, towards the end of the third act, there's very little of the calling, and I don't know if... There are two theories. Either the director just did not like what it did to a lot of dramatics, which I could totally understand, because I feel like there's I mean, some undermining. That is exactly where I'm at with it, yeah. I wonder if there's a chance that the opposite is true, in which they're holding on to those attack calls, like, oh shit, they're gonna love it when this happens, we gotta save it for when, when we wanna hit good, we wanna get them right in the feels. You gotta be perfect heels, you cannot give them what they want. <laughs> it's a fun thought, but the reason I focus so much about the voice acting thing is that I do think that the plotting in this is worthy of some of the better arcs in the Roni Kenshin manga anime. Particularly Having not seen a whole ton of it, I was amazingly surprised with how well-researched the whole thing was. Yeah, the thing is really strongly rooted in history. It's one of the... I just love that whole action historical fiction thing in manga. I mean, I've talked about this before, but these shows that decide to go intense with the detail and realism of everything except the violence in which people just do <laughs> wuxia flips across for instance vinland saga for instance vinland saga my boy kingdom that entire wolfsman business that was going on it's a vaunted tradition i hear rosa versailles has a similar trick but i haven't dipped my feet in that water so i know maybe right it's hard to find old manga like that it is very hard to legally find old manga like that and he did not get vanned, so we'd have to get creative. <laughs> she. She, um. I think it's a she who did not get banned. Or. Hey, sorry, we just took a quick break. It turns out I had the title I was thinking of completely wrong. The Rose of Versailles is some kind of Yuri manga, and <laughs> I'm an idiot, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> There's Yuri stuff in it. 
Okay, so just from the summary, the the first adjective it gave it was Yuri. So I. Okay, so now I could be double wrong, and I could have been right the first. I feel like the first adjective it gave it was Shoho. Okay, hold on. Shoho manga about Marie Ant. Oh, about Marie Antoinette. Okay, I. I give up. I but give there up. There was on also my... like also there was Yuri. Yes. The important core point here is that Roni Kenshin cares a lot about its history, and it gets it right. And in particular, it gets right that thing where a lot of people often die for no reasons, generally related to land or machismo. <laughs> and what I was saying was this movie lives up to I don't know if you're into Roni Kenshin like the whole. Ninjas versus Gatling gun kind of emotionality is sort of the area that this movie builds too well, and I appreciated that. I mean, Roroni Kenshin as a series, near as I can tell, and I have only flirted with Roroni Kenshin. I think, Denard, you were the one who was the most into Roroni Kenshin, is it is a sort of, you could call it a tableau of Japan post-Boshin War, right? As... The uh, as the country kind of lurches into modernity, and you've got these this type of people who are no longer going to be necessary in this new world, and what they do with themselves. Yeah, if you are someone who's particularly into the uh, Red Dead Redemption wavelength of tone and want, I was about to say half the body bags, but I guess I just forgot how spoilers things turn out for a lot of people in this fucking movie. But yes, it definitely does deal with, as they lurch into the Meiji Restoration, all of these old revolutionaries and old guard monarchists and all the people like coping with this new reality where being the bestest at sword fighting doesn't matter that doesn't much matter. anymore. And the horror of the one man who says, no, I'm going to make it matter. <laughs> and how he almost pulls apart... This narrative, Shishio is one of my favorite just straight heels in the silly shonen spectrum. Mm -hmm. I like him as a defiance of the idea that the pure epic sweeping antagonist needs to be rooted in like a, a humanistic element or relatability or something that is sad and tragic about their choice. Whereas he was just someone who looked at the wheel of history lurching towards progress and things being a little easier for people who don't swing swords around. It's like, no, no, that's wrong. What the fuck is this? I hate this. <laughs> I mean, you you read early modern Japanese history and he's not a unique... He's not... What would you call it? An abomination? He's not an aberration. There was a... As the samurai class began to become less and less important... Uh, they were really big sticklers about the fact that their right to cut down a uh, peasant who was rude to them uh, was being taken away. That mm. was a big one. They wanted to keep that one. They really just enjoyed playing amateur butcher shop in the streets. Or I guess by the end of their career, professional butcher shop. Like really just getting those nice cuts. As I remember from learning about this in college, you had a couple of different classes of samurai. You had the sort of higher-level samurai and the lower-level samurai. The lower-level samurai were, at that point in time, more bureaucrats than anything else. They ended up faring way better than the higher-level samurai did. because they just knew how to navigate this new world better by the time the new world was saying, Hey, old world's done. It was a good time to invest in the very concept of middle management. 
Like, these are samurai who had sold their swords at one point or another just to make ends meet, you know, in order to uh, invest in something more profitable than owning a sword. And as they entered that new world in which, uh, you know that little pyramid Ricky Gervais used to babble about that he, like, swiped from someone? It's this pyramid of how, like, bureaucratic organizations work, namely corporations. Mm -hmm. And uh, basically the pyramid is... From top to bottom, sociopaths, clueless, and losers. The point is that the lowly samurai were in a peak position to fill out the sociopath and clueless brackets. <laughs> Whereas people dedicated to the way of the blade stand a very good chance of tumbling from sociopath to loser. <laughs> it's it's really interesting how um knowing how to do violence just fell so amazingly out of favor once you have this big long stick that does the violence for you. And you don't really need to be that great at using it in order to do violence to another person. Go figure. It's really transformative. It makes me wonder if we should be teaching AI to do various things a little more slowly than we are. But so it goes. This, I guess I should zero in on this movie's specific situation, since sometimes people like their little plot summaries in their reviews. I don't know. Sure. I mean, I I like this episode as an excuse to talk about... Uh, oh, God, what is it called? Not Senkoku. The period of Japanese history, you know, during and after the Meiji Restoration. Ah, uh, Senkoku? Senkoku? I feel like it's Senkoku. I'm going to look it up. All right, everyone, we are going to fact-check ourselves. That's right, we're pulling a CNN... Hear the clickety-clack of the mechanical keyboard. That's how you know it's real. Shukokai? Nope, that's a type of karate right there. <laughs> oh, I'm keeping that. <laughs> Definitely not what I was looking for. Let me just search the restoration. Yeah. Bakamatsu. Bakamatsu, damn Bakamatsu. it. Bakamatsu. And that word is all over Rony Kenshi. I can't believe it didn't yeah, jump into me. Yeah, they keep fucking talking about the Bakamatsu. <laughs> to be fair, the voice actors on this dub pronounce it everything from... Bakumatsu to Bokomotsu, so it's Bokumotsu. really... they call it the Miji. It's The Miji forces. A wonderful bad dub. The Emperor Miji. I would say it cycles back to like those, those pre-fucking Jackie Chan dubs. <laughs> oh, I was thinking about Sakoko, which was their whole thing where the Dutch can trade at this port right here and all the rest of you, you can fuck right off. It's great. Like a lot of Aroni Kenshin plots, it opens with a flashback of him just killing people in the part of his life when he thought that was sweet. And whenever he has one of these scenes in this comic or this anime or this film, I always think about how he wouldn't quite work as the same character in America because I feel like the character's attitude towards his murder and for his country days would be, oh, well, that was a good decision I would make again. <laughs> Why aren't I doing that right now? They, I could be killing... It would be a little bit more complicated than that. They'd try to add some nuance to the conversation, and then he'd still decide to keep killing people. <laughs> they might admit, like, oh, man, that one guy, maybe I should have done a quick double tap instead of letting him, you know, soak in the blood for a second. And it, now I've grown as a character and as a murderer. It was a mistake to kill this one dude once couple of years ago just him though there would also be a scene that the main character didn't see where they firmly triple underlined that the guy drank too much and hit his kids or something <laughs> <laughs> and you, just so that you know that it's sort of sort of that's justified that he like, like 
but yeah, uh, Kenshin's got a guilt complex, and it it's it's good in this. We see him kill the. I forget whether it's a spiritual or literal brother. It scarcely matters. Spiritual, I think. Spiritual brother of the man who will be our nuanced principal antagonist. That's a great antagonist for, like, a anime film antagonist. And usually when you've got an anime film of a, you know, long-running series, right? They tend never to really pull out the stops, so what? to speak. So to speak, yeah, it's... Like, remember the dude from the Hirak, a movie who barely fucking spoke? I was actually thinking about him. His name was a number, right? It was like eight or nine like or something. Eight shit. or nine or something like that. And single digit. We'll call him single digit. It's, it's, it's very lucky for him that I even remember his goddamn name because he wasn't interesting at all. He was an ambulatory version of All for One mm. with, I don't know, a nicer suit. No, no, no. All, all for One's got a, got a pretty good, pretty good tailor. Mm-hmm. With hair. <laughs> With hair and a and a whole, uh, you know, a Metal Gear Solid suit. I was actually thinking about that guy in relation to this guy in this movie. Mm-hmm. And believe it or not, I think there is actually kind of a DNA thread between them and just on how action anime villains tend to work. Mm-hmm. Because you're going to tend to try to go for a villain, for good or ill, that can quickly, like, staple gun a lot of the themes of your work together. Sure. And they both are, one clumsily and one in a just better execution sort of just staple gunning a lot of the themes that run through other villains in the longer work proper sure like this guy is a displaced military man he's a reactionary he's a reactionary he's someone who's had this personal exchange of kenshin in the past he has a deep sense of honor and finds himself just on the wrong side of a philosophical debate about what is best for japan yeah he very relatably chafes with both the rampant corruption about him and just sort of a lot of British people doing handstand walks on their carpet. Just prodding around the nation like, oh, what's, what's all this here? Can I have it? You feel... I can have it. I'm taking it. You do feel deeply sympathetic for his plight when, you know, taking into consideration the context yeah. of just... How light Japan got off relative to just so many other places. Though it's not for me to really judge that Japan did or did not get off light. But let's talk about the British Raj here for a (laughs) second. Let's talk about the British Raj where their version of Rony Kenshin is very short because he gets shot and then the credits roll. That was called the Sepoy Rebellion, folks. It, uh... It ended with blood. It's not called the Sepoy Revolution. A whole ton of it. Yeah, no, <laughs> kind of stopped a rebellion. Boxer Revolt. Not Revolution, <laughs> the Boxer Revolt. The Boxer Revolt. They would have called it the Boxer Incident if they hadn't killed so many of the boxers <laughs> that it just had to be... A notable, uh, a notable bullet point in those historical texts. So his anger is very understandable. This is an extremely human character who has some very old school kind of thinking about, uh, you know, Japanese honor and what the country should look like mm-hmm. moving forward. And you totally understand throughout the entire thing where he is coming from. Um, and what I found the most interesting with 
this film in particular was another country with another history reconciling its extremely bloody past. Uh, Because the United States, where I am from, has an immensely fucking bloody past. Has an almost impossible bloody past. No, we we don't. Sleep, Samuel. Sleep. (laughs) And it was built atop the bones of a people that we never thanked or paid or let survive let survive or did anything and like continue to kind of disrespect and pretend that they didn't fucking build this place for us <laughs> and some of us are starting to reconcile with it and and Tim Scott refuses to acknowledge that this ever happened <laughs> Tim Scott, I believe, thinks that instead of slaves and natives, there were volunteers and landlords. What's that fucking line? landlords who voluntarily? There's this line from fucking from fucking Family Guy. Thank for invited. Punch was served. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's one of uh, old McFarlane's better turns. <laughs> So beyond, you know, the conversation to be had about America's history, it is, it well, no, in tandem, I guess, with the conversation to be had about America's history in the last couple hundred years. What's really interested is watching Japan kind of uh, trying to take apart its history and decide what to do with it. And we've seen this in other stuff set in this time period as well, um... A lot of critics, I'm not going to pretend it's an original thought, mm-hmm. because I read this somewhere in the last three days and I was thinking about this episode, mm-hmm. but evidently part of just the massive cross-demographic, cross-country, everything like success of Aroni Kenshin is that people just do enjoy that process of, you get all the engagements of someone unwinding history, there's, but there's also just a little nice appeal to a certain type of person when it's not your history so you don't have to feel too guilty about anything <laughs> it's like oh man violence violence is wrong their violence is bad when they <laughs> do it ours was necessary and sweet sweetessary as we call it sweet. i wonder what japanese audiences think about civil war media Oh, just Westaboo's watching Glory every week. Watching Glory, or like, what if you put fucking Twelve Years a Slave in a uh, Tokyo theater? What would they think about all of that? That is a good ass question. I I am left to wonder. Yeah, like, would that do okay? Didn't a dub of the Boondocks make its circuit on Twitter recently? What a great audio clip. But yeah, you have this antagonist who, you know, sort of pot packages all those themes of the story together. And he is the main thing in the movie. Also making a guest star in the movie is the series' version of featuring Dante from Devil May Cry. <laughs> oh, the fucking Wolverine guy. Yeah, the fucking Wolverine. The Goomy motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, he's, he, he's here to smoke. <laughs> he's here to smoke, dispense with characters and... 15 second fight scenes and go back to smoking and he's all out of cigarettes yeah it's 
He doesn't part- particularly elevate or bring down anything. It's just very funny how... Oh, no, he's got one of the better lines in the movie. That is true. Towards the end of it, where, you know, the, the guy who is the traitor to the uh, to the rebel cause escapes, you know, with his skin, thinking like, well, at least I got out with my life. Yeah. And then he gets this dressing down from Wolverine, Shinsengumi dude, who just thinks, like, maybe you're really just that open-minded. <laughs> When really talking about his, um, you know, variable loyalties, every <laughs> before stabbing him in the fucking forehead, Rony Kenshin has some very efficient formulas. In this one, um, each faction has a relatable person on top and a vizier in the second slot, <laughs> which is just, I guess, the shorthand for the range of moral types you get in any historical incident. It does a fascinating job of humanizing kind of both sides of the conflict. Something that it it is a when you're talking about both sides of the conflict in America, right? Usually <laughs> the conflict that you were talking about is the Civil War. Uh, and humanizing a member of perhaps one of those uh, one of those factions, you were doing so at the expense of the uh, of the people who they wished to remain uh, chattel. To my knowledge, no such baggage exists in Japanese history. So you still have this weird sense of the country was at war with each other almost exclusively over ideals and what they wanted the political future of the nation to look like. And I, there is a whole lot that I do not know. And I probably just left a whole bunch out just now. The Western or my, you know, dumb shit Western perspective though is that it's a whole lot of people with really, really strongly held beliefs, and it's very difficult to say who was right or who was wrong, and kind of impossible to say that either was just one. It leads to so many masterworks that consist of people having political science 347 debates between backflips. <laughs> And I guess that kind of close ide- ideological gap just does lend itself innately well to high drama, which is, you know, what we get here. Since I'm talking about backflips, I should talk about the action in this. I did enjoy it, which is good it because good. it's an action property. I mean, it was no There's uh... a very noticeable um, investment in budget gap between... They invested very strongly into flashback. They're very invested in the climax. And then they're like, all right, we got to get through the rest of this movie. <laughs> There was a little bit of quality here and there. Yeah, I mean, it was no Sword of the Stranger, but the sword fighting was good. It's good. That's like, what, what you came here for was good. You're not going to leave disappointed or anything like that. You're not going to leave in a blackened fury. Sonosuke is here because he has to be because this is the movie. <laughs> they don't necessarily have much for this guy to do. Um, For those of you who are not familiar with Roni Kenshin, he is... The big shirtless guy. Yeah, he's a big shirtless guy. He's an early antagonist turned sidekick he's mostly that really there to just sort of wharf himself out to promote new heels <laughs> you know how you know how this stuff goes poor guy poor guy but uh people i don't know the fans enjoy him a lot so you know he's got to be in the movie someone who gets to do a lot more in the movie at least in terms of heft of plot wise is yahiko he had a great little arc he got a great little arc because like his thing in the show, and almost falls out of his character in some ways in the comic, but it's really hyped up here, is that his dad was a samurai in this war, 
with like beliefs and uh, he was a member of the Shogi Tide during the uh, during the Boshin War. Yeah. Uh, they all died to a man. Bad. I believe the Shogi Tide fought for the Shogun uh, who lost the Boshin War against the Meiji forces. And this movie just does a wonderful context thing with this kid where... I really hope I'm right about that, by the way. I love being wrong about everything. Send me letters. Flame me. They do a wonderful context thing with him where all these attributes that are like his hero man traits of, you know, he's willing to stand up for himself or other people or be a lost causer for something or stand for his father's honor. Mm -hmm. Just leads him to a little bit of a... Little bit of a terrorist movement, <laughs> poquito terrorism, and it and it makes total fucking sense given what you know about him and given what like what he's trying to embody. The best fucking scene with the villain is when the villain says that he has a very special mission for him, and villain knows that they are all going on a suicide mission, right? They're yeah. probably all going to die, um, in the hopes that they ignite something that reverses all of this or that reverses everything that's happened up to now. You know, reverses the Boshin War. <laughs> you can't do that. Uh, reverses the Boshin War, brings, you know, the Shogun back to power somehow, in some way. Or at least brings politics in Japan back to how they were before the Boshin War, right? Right. Um, so this is a suicide mission. Uh, kid really wants to be on it. And the villain is like, I've got an extra special mission for you. And then punches him really fucking hard in the gut so that he does not go and die with the rest of them <laughs> and apologizes. And I was doing the fucking solid snake salute the entire goddamn time. Oh, oh yeah, I could have. In fact, I might have very aggressively and irritatingly whistled the Metal Gear Solid music. <laughs> it was so fucking gar. I should point out that, okay, Shishio has a world's more charisma, right? Mm -hmm. As far as villains go. In terms of the scope of their scheme and their underlying understanding of the situation, this guy's internal acceptance that he's functionally headed on a suicide mission, like it's a true lost causer thing, mm -hmm. achieves something that I never quite liked about the CGO thing, which is for how cool he was, and I get what the I get the plan, and you know, Shonen logic, whatever. In a series that is realistic in so many other places, I have to sit down here and listen to Fire Sword Man say, I'm going to bring down the Meiji government, and then this will be my world. And I'm there saying, nigga, what the fuck are you talking about? This isn't going to fucking work. It doesn't matter whether or not you get fucking thwacked in the face by Kenshin Himura. I After this scheme, the they're like, okay, I guess the international community is going to prey on the now severely weakened Japan. <laughs> I do like how Veroni Kenshin acknowledges that a guy with a sword is, at the end of the day, just a guy with a sword. Can he take any single other opponent? Yeah, he could. In, you know, the late 1800s, does that amount for that much anymore? No, not even a little. I guess at the end of the day, that is also what sort of drew people to Shishio, though. Like, the universe sort of bent those rules a little for him. Sure. I think people just liked the idea that someone could be a bad enough dude to potentially turn back the clock unless there was another bad enough dude to hit him with a reverse blade sword and say, Pacifism beat is beat the way beat. <laughs> I know that's a core dissonance. Sometimes you just enjoy the story. You just kind of have to 
to you have to go with it. It's like otherwise, we, look, look, look. Otherwise, a show off past him is just gonna be like, it's gonna have the tone and content of discourses on Livy or something, mm. which you know, educational, not the action extravaganza of our dry. generation. <laughs> yeah. It's just, uh, it's just like, uh, like last year's turkey, a little dry. I think the best thing you do is I don't know, maybe make a dialogue comedy <laughs> endorsing pacifism. Like, in the loop for the way of peace. I was literally about to talk about Yanucci just now, so, so good good going. Yeah, like, if Yanucci ever makes a shounen series, it will be an endorsement of pacifism via dialogue and jerk show gags. God, I'd be so fucking there for that. Let's see, uh, turns to the main cast. Karu is just there, but not very there. Yeah, she's there. She's, uh, she's there. She's present. She reminds us that there are multiple people who don't want Kenshin to bite it. <laughs> they uh, they couldn't have a subplot for everyone. They did a framing in the last fight where him seeing through Kenshin's moves wasn't so much about him being that dude, but he's literally just traumatized from watching Kenshin murderize his friend. Like, it's like yeah, I remember that murder. <laughs> <laughs> I do, in fact, remember your signature strike, you fuck. I'll fucking kill you. We talk about it a lot during therapy. One thing I like, and again, this is just such fucking catnip for Sam, was like one of their last conversations together was him being like, look, no, I'm not upset at you for killing my friend. You know, you were fighting for what you believed in and I was fighting for what I believed in. But if you thought harder, if you thought harder, you would see that I'm right. Please listen to me. That was so fucking good. Yeah, this has a lot going on for something that would run between Dragon Ball knockoffs. I'm just thinking about how disappointed I was with that second Hiroaka movie and how they kind of like pissed out a villain. Mm. Uh, and the, the, the side NPC character was yet another kid that doesn't like heroes, which just must be... Horikoshi's favorite fucking it must be how he fucking gets his rocks off it's, just, <laughs> it's like and then I'm gonna write a kid who doesn't like heroes <laughs> then his editor comes in and say did you just drop some of that splooge on the floor that's valuable splooge that's sewn in jump splooge someone gonna fucking vile like and he sort of scrape that up and dump it on some reels and that's how you get the second movie there's like five fucking kids like that now in Hiroaka yeah, yeah. I'm 12 and I don't like heroes. <laughs> you, you've got your overpowered quirk and me, I've got these fucking markers. I think when Hiroaka is a fond memory, in the same cadence that we make fun of the yata-ta-ta-tas or 10 episodes of charging an attack. Mm-hmm. Or even now, we just talk about the swing in Naruto. <laughs> there will just be memes of, yeah, I'm Ted, I'm not that into Spider-Man. I'm going to change your fucking mind. <laughs> I'm going to change your heart. It is soul. my life's mission to make <laughs> sure that you are into Spider-Man. I don't care how close to dying I get on the way. I'm wondering how I can tie in how much I dislike the sentiment of let people like things into what we are talking about right now. I mean, let people 
like things is essentially a there's like six asterisks next to that attempt there there are and it's a touchy-feely kind of way to say be unthinking and uncritical specifically towards the things that i enjoy so that i can wave about the authority of liking something that has resonance or meaning or makes a real statement Mm -hmm. or is an artistic achievement but I don't have to do the work of thinking too hard at any point in my life or examining the bloated chasm of my own tastes. It's a pretty good way of summing it up, yeah. Thank you. I am a virtuoso bully. <laughs> if you have an Azure Lane tattoo, re-examine your life. I definitely don't. That's good, and I only have one hidden Azure Lane tattoo. <laughs> I have zero hidden Azure Lane tattoos. Let me just... Just to the various extremely impulsive choices I have made in this life that he is privy to. Let me just underline that I do not have a tattoo of a battleship that is a girl that is a battleship. That you can collect and marry. You collect them, marry them. Can you divorce them? Can you have battleship kids with them? Is it one quarter battleship if you have sex with a battleship girl? I think they are full battleships. They're just also girls. We're getting into sort of like a, a theological debate. Where <laughs> like, is Jesus man? Is Jesus God? Is he half man and half God? Are the two separate and yet the same? Is it homoousian? Is he of the same substance? Or are God and Christ of the same substance? Are they homoousian? People would fucking fight each other over this shit. In short, Rooney Kenshin, Trust and Betrayal, is a movie we cannot review because we did not watch it. I watched it back in high school and it fucking whipped, so I I definitely still... (laughs) (laughs) I definitely do recommend it if you can find the goddamn thing. And I still have not seen it because I guess that's just my eternal quest. And Rooney Kenshin, semicolon the movie italicized is good it's, it's very quality. good you'll enjoy it it's a good historical fiction romp good action you will grow internally and externally i think there are few enough things where i'm watching it and i will exclaim out loud "Ooh, this is really good isn't it and he did it a few times and find i don't know if there's a new dub or just subs or if you're just down for a good laugh try and try and find the japanese version but know that it will make a difference hmm Anyway, this is Weeaboo Hell. That's Weeaboo Hell.